Welcome to Positively Pro-Life, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Positively Pro-Life brings you inspirational stories, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm Bonnie Finnerty, Education Director at the Federation, and I am joined by my distinguished colleague, Maria Gallagher, our Legislative Director. Merry Christmas, Maria. Merry Christmas, Bonnie. It's so good to be with you today. It's so good to be with you, and it's hard to believe it's our last podcast of 2022. The time has just flown by. Yeah, it really has. Well, today's show is going to marry two seemingly different topics, biking and babies. But it is a great partnership of two passions that some pro-lifers have. Chris Massaro of the Apostolate Biking for Babies will join us to talk all about their mission, vision, and how each stroke of a pedal can renew a culture of life. In addition, Maria will share a Christmas pro-life legislative reflection. But we'll start off with some pro-life inspiration. And today I'd like to share a beautiful article that was just published on the Life News website. It's called, 18 years ago, she rejected abortion and had a loving family adopt her son. And it really is a, it's quite a story. 20 years ago, Monique was living with her mom in Northern California and was involved with the church youth group. She had never known her father and knew she had been conceived in an unplanned pregnancy. Now at 17, she found herself pregnant. Adding to the shock was realizing she was not even certain who the father was. Monique knew instinctively that abortion was wrong, so she ruled that out as an option. With a leadership role in the youth group, she made the mature and responsible decision to step down from her position and share the reality of her situation. Everyone knew me as a goody-goody, said Monique. You're the last person we expected to hear this from, people said. Monique's mom supported the pregnancy, having experienced the same situation. And so Monique went along month to month, eating right and taking her prenatal vitamins, unsure of how she could possibly be a mom to this child as a high school student. She learned the baby was a boy, and from the due date, she figured out who the father was. Chatting with a friend one day, she learned of another young mom in an unplanned pregnancy. She had peace about deciding to raise her child, said Monique. I realized I had no peace about raising a child alone, still in school, financially not stable. I realized adoption could be the answer. Amazingly, Monique did not have to look far to find the perfect family for her child. Her sister, 15 years older, was married with two girls. She and her husband had been wanting a boy. As soon as her mother-in-law heard about Monique's baby boy due in a few months, she said, that's your child. The rest, as they say, is history. Monique and her sister and brother-in-law found a Christian adoption agency and the baby's father agreed to sign the papers to release the child for adoption. Thus, baby Caleb became Monique's nephew. Six months after he was born, the whole family moved to the same community in Arkansas. Monique went on to marry and have two more children. Just recently, when her older daughter turned seven, Monique decided to tell her the background story about her cousin. 
Today, Caleb is 18 and a regular part of Monique's family life. He found out when he was seven years old on a Sanctity of Life Sunday that I'm not just his aunt, but his birth mother, said Monique. It just worked out great all around. Monique's experiences are now put to good use for others in her role as education coordinator for Informed Choices Women's Center of the Ozarks in Mountain Home, Arkansas. She teaches earn while you learn classes and performs one day presentations on character, setting boundaries, STDs, red flags, and abstinence to youth groups and schools. She also presents the pregnancy and parenting course Love Lessons for youth groups. In another twist, Monique recently found her father through DNA. Not knowing she even existed, he was thrilled to meet her and introduced her to her half-brother and other relatives whom she did not know she had. Today, they are in touch regularly, and Monique is surrounded by love from every side. And that article, again, was on Life News and was written by Patty Knapp, who is a certified pregnancy counselor, faith formation teacher, ABA therapist for autism, and freelance writer from Long Island. Maria. Bonnie, thank you so much for that beautiful story. Now, it seems to me no accident that in the desperate darkness of winter, the light of the world arrives in the form of the baby Jesus. As the old song says, we need a little Christmas right this very minute. For me, December has been marked by the deaths of a cousin and a beloved church friend. It has been a month of saying painful goodbyes to ones whom I have loved. Perhaps you too have experienced your share of heartache as the calendar crept towards winter. But death does not have the last word. Christians see death as a transition to a forever life in heaven. We can see small glimpses of that heaven on earth, in the joy of a baby's smile, in the oohs and ahs of children on a Christmas morning. It is so appropriate that Jesus came to earth in the form of a tiny baby, completely vulnerable, entirely dependent on his mother and foster father, Joseph. In his fragile form, he represented hope and the joy which should accompany every birth. There is simply no canceling Christmas, no way to snuff out the light which Christ represents. He brings new life to the world and the optimism which comes from knowing that he has come to save us. Christmas is a holy day for Christians and a holiday for much of the world. Let us celebrate by renewing our dedication to the cause of life, especially to those babies nestled in their mother's wombs. For with each birth, we can celebrate Christmas anew. Bonnie. It's just beautiful, Maria. Thank you so much. Well, I am delighted to introduce today's guest. Chris Massaro is the Director of Mission Advancement with Biking for Babies, a nonprofit geared toward forming young adults in the pro-life movement through cycling. He enjoys cycling himself and has been involved in pro-life work since he actively began living his Catholic faith. He's from Coatesville, Pennsylvania, enjoys sports, likes to read, pray, and play cards. And prior to the working for Biking for Babies, Chris was in the seminary for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. We're so happy to have you join us today, Chris. Thanks Welcome. for having me on. Yeah, it's great to be here with you. Merry Christmas. 
Merry Christmas. Christmas to you. Thank you. Explain to us, how did Biking for Babies begin? Yeah, in 2009, two college students started it at the University of Illinois. These guys were cyclists and runners, and they wanted to go on a biking trip for their spring break. But they decided after reading a book about John Paul II that they needed not only to go on a trip, but also to do it for a cause. And the cause for life is really what struck their hearts. And they realized they weren't doing anything to defend life. So they decided, well, let's go on a bike trip across Illinois for our spring break. And we'll actually raise money for, bike, for, for babies and for pregnancy centers and for the Students for Life chapter at our university. So that's how it began that first year, 2009, just two guys set out kind of in a ragtag group and, and they raised $14,000 that first year. And then uh, it, it just kind of was born from there. It just kept taking off year after year, growing little by little until here we are 13 years later. And what is the mission of Biking for Babies? The mission is really to form young adults. Like we, we're an organization that's, that exists to engage young men and women in the work of the pro-life movement, specifically young adults in, from 18 to 39. So mainly their 20s and early 30s is, is who we're catering towards. And the goal is to give them an opportunity to, to live a missionary experience, but in the midst of their working life and their life as it currently exists. So we've developed a program which is geared towards forming them over a six month period of time in what it means to be pro-life, to have reverence for the dignity of the human person and to extend themselves, to offer themselves in generosity in selflessness and self-denial for the sake of others in a way which transforms them as they do it and also brings about a profound impact in the world around them through the fundraising that they do, through the evangelization that they offer. So it's really for them, it's a mission to engage them. We use cycling as a way to hook them in and then give them something which sort of provides the thread which weaves throughout the six months. Chris, what has been the impact of Biking for Babies um, in 2009? Uh, in 2009 or since 2009? Or since, I'm sorry, since 2009. Yeah, no, since great, began. yeah, sure. No, so like I said, 2009, there were two, two guys that started out and they were college students. Since then, uh, it's grown each year, kind of plateaued for a couple of years because it was volunteer uh, driven for about nine years and it kind of was just hitting a plateau. So they jumped up and had some had a paid employee. And since then, and, and in the 13 years, we now have 56 young adults that did it this past year. We're hoping for 70 next year. In total, we've engaged 184 young adults over the, the course of the 13 years. We have raised over one and a quarter million dollars for pregnancy resource centers and maternity homes and pro-life medical clinics all around the country. And we've advocated and raised that money for in total 102 different pregnancy centers and maternity homes. So the impact, like the quantifiable impact is that right there. It's harder to quantify how it's converted the young men and women that have done it. Many of them have gone on to work at pregnancy centers or found them or, or really just get involved in the pro-life movement for the rest of their lives. Their family life has been enriched by the fact that they've done this, right? Because they've developed the virtues that are necessary to be a husband and a father or a wife and a mother. And so it, it, that impact is somewhat harder to quantify, but it's there as well. Not to mention like the evangelization. We, we bike hundreds, thousands of miles every summer on these huge rides, which maybe we'll touch on. And we give witness to, to life, to people that we interact with all along the way. So we don't always know, you know, we plant the seeds 
and and who knows 30 years down the road that person might come back to something that they came across from this group of nine young adults on a bike path in Cumberland Maryland and suddenly they're like oh that makes a lot of sense now you know you just never know yeah I, you're so right over a million dollars for pregnancy resource centers that's impressive but the things that we can't measure are are truly so important as well um exactly yep just, agreed yeah, so you talked a little bit about your missionary formation program. Um, so let's say I'm I'm 19 and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, wow, this this is something that you know God has put in my heart. What could that person expect in the formation program? Yeah, great, great. So the reason we first off, the reason we call it missionary formation is because we recognize what Pope Francis has called us to, what Pope Benedict called us to, what Pope Pope John Paul II did before him that we're all meant to be missionary disciples of Jesus Christ. If we have faith in Jesus Christ, we're meant to be on mission to evangelize others, regardless of whether we're a clergy member or a religious brother or sister or a laity, that's all for us. And so we're trying to form these young men and women to recognize their responsibility to be missionaries. That, that responsibility in this program, which occurs over six months, has a number of different components to it. So it starts in March, it goes until the end of September. And throughout that time period, each young adult that participates will be a part of a team of about 10 young adults. And they engage with this group of 10 in an intentional way for the course of that six months. They work together through apologetics resources, educational resources for what it means to be pro-life for what abortion is, for what chemical abortion is, for just the situation in our society right now. They pray, they read the scriptures together, especially as they weave into their experience of going through the program and as they touch on life. And then they're all partnered individually, one-on-one -on -one, with a pregnancy resource center or a maternity home. So each young adult or college student, if it's that 19-year-old, right, engages one particular pregnancy resource center or maternity home, develops a relationship with the staff, hears the story of the women and the babies that they've helped and saved. Perhaps they go and take a tour of that center. Maybe if, they're, if it's really good, they'll have the chance to meet one of the women or one of the babies that have actually been helped, right? And the goal of that is to convict the heart and the mind of this young adult. And through this experience of that engagement with the center, they'll be more readily able and willing to speak about that work and the life-saving services of that place to other people, right? So then throughout that six months, they're in an intentional way fundraising on behalf of all the centers that we support, which requires them to come out of themselves and ask people for money, which is a hard thing and is formative in itself. They share the mission. They share what pregnancy centers are. They give their own testimony for why they're pro-life. All of that serves to build them up through repeated actions, right? And then the cycling piece comes in because they train, they offer themselves physically for the sake of some greater cause, which they then take up in a week-long mission trip on bicycles in July, where each of these teams goes across a different region of the country, biking between six and 700 miles, evangelizing people and sharing the gospel of life as they go. And then building community and praying together and suffering together again, for some greater cause, which builds them up and forms them. So it's a formation program, which is includes education, 
but it is primarily an experience driven formation program. Like they do something and that action changes them as they do it. That's what they'd be getting into. It's incredible. Um, in terms of the pregnancy resource centers, now the, the missionaries, do they, they, this is a nationwide program, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. So, and we know there's, there's thousands of pregnancy resource centers and maternity homes across the, the country. So the missionaries, do they find their own pregnancy resource center? Like, it's a combo of, of both. Some of them find their own. Some of them, if they return for a second year, mm-hmm. maybe their first year, they were partnered with one, which is somewhere far from them just out of necessity, because that's how the growth happened. But maybe the second year, they've, they've got more of an understanding of what pregnancy centers are. They've been moved by them. They've looked up their own in their own community and they've found them and maybe they've started to develop a relationship with them. So then they go and invite them into it the next year. So it really depends on how a missionary is found, how they come to us, how a pregnancy center comes to us. It really, yeah, it all, it all changes depending on the person. So as you go along these bike trips that run 600, 700 miles, what's the reaction of the people you meet along the way? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a, a lot of it is civilized reactions, first off, because they, they recognize that these young men and women are doing something. They're not just saying something. They're not just thinking a certain way, but they're actually putting themselves behind their beliefs. So regardless of who we interact with, they're struck by that fact. And so if it's a random person on a path somewhere or at a gas station or a park, we often just have the chance, like we wear these bright, I'm going to get you these bright yellow jerseys, bright yellow jerseys. I know we're not on video, but YouTube can see it. So everybody wears this, right? And so like you got this group of 10 people with this bright yellow jersey on, it's an eye catcher and a conversation starter. And it, it, immediately puts down their guard because we say we're doing stuff for pregnancy centers that help pregnant women and families in need. And because we're actually doing something, we're putting ourselves into our belief. They, they're really moved by that. They're really moved by that. So I would say that's the general interaction that we have. It's kind of this like, wow, that's really awesome that you guys are doing this. I've never heard of pregnancy centers before. Now you're giving me a chance to learn about it, you know? And how about you as a rider? What is the experience like for you? Because I know I have a friend who's a cyclist. He takes part in bike rides for another charitable cause. And when I met him um, at one of his stops, it was just an overwhelming experience. I mean, we, we both hugged and cried when we saw each other. What's the experience like for you? Well, there's a lot of that along the way too, for sure. <laughs> Hugging and crying as as we overcome obstacles and adversity together. Uh, it's uh, it's a pretty incredible experience. Like, I mean, just you know, ten young adults who have come from around the country suddenly with each other for the first time, spending 24 hours a day together for a week in the grueling heat of July on in different stretches of the country where there's often hills or wind or heat or rain or whatever it might be, right? You got people who are not experienced cyclists who are doing this, but have picked up cycling for the first time. And now suddenly they're riding a hundred or more miles a day for six straight days because they're offering themselves for something great. And so the experience just like richly bonds them together. And then gives them a chance 
to grow in humility, in courage, in sacrificial love, because they've not had to encounter something as difficult as this. Most of the people that come out of biking for babies say it's one of the hardest things they've ever done. Because not only are we biking, but we stop and evangelize people. And then we host events in the evening, wherever it is that we stop in whatever city or town we're going through along the way. So they're not just biking 100 or more miles a day, but they're evangelizing, they're hosting events, they're doing this all on about four hours of sleep, four or five hours of sleep a night. So it's like, it's transformative in that way. By the end of it, it's like, holy smokes, what did we just do together? And that's a lot of the times where the crying and the hugging sets in. If there haven't been enough falls or accidents along the way to kind of bring out some of the crying and the hugging beforehand. I imagine if I were on that trip, the, the possibility of rain and storms would, would be heavy on my mind. What's been the biggest challenge for you personally on these trips? Yeah. Well, that's a good, okay, that's a really good question. I, I think um, the lack of sleep has been the biggest challenge for me personally. And, you know, you say that about the storms and the rain, and, and I make that comment about the lack of sleep. And I, the thing that we try to do as an organization is always bring our missionaries back to the why of why they're doing this. And we help, we help them to see like, okay, we're doing this on behalf of women in unplanned pregnancies who are often single maybe with multiple jobs or they're in school or they've been, I don't want to say abandoned, but maybe abandoned by their family. Right. Like, so they're, they have all kinds of storms, if you will, in their life. Right. And if they're now a single mom who's working, who's pregnant, we're asking them to sacrifice in, in an immense way to choose life, their sleep after they give birth. Now I'm not a mom, but, you know, I imagine, and from what I've heard, the sleep just kind of like plummets in a lot of ways, right, as a new mom. So, so when we experience that ourselves on the ride, yes, they're incredible challenges, but we always say to ourselves and to each other as a group, and this is why it helps to have that community, like, hey, why are we doing this? Like, a woman that you're doing this for, she's going to get less sleep than you are, <laughs> and you're only doing this for a week. <laughs> she's going to do it for a long time, you know? So it always brings us back to that why. And it helps to remind us like, let's use this as a moment to sacrifice for somebody and pray for them in the midst of the sacrifice. A great is it, perspective. Is, is it very overwhelming for you when you actually meet women who have benefited from the pregnancy centers that you help support? Is, is that a very meaningful uh, interchange for you. Absolutely. Without a doubt. One of my favorite groups of people are the sisters of life in Philadelphia. I mean, they're more than just Philadelphia, right? Like you're shaking your heads, you know about them obviously. And yeah, I, I love them. They're just amazing, amazing women. And so my relationship with them has helped me to be able to help out with some of their mother's day parties or Christmas parties and stuff like that. And it's, it's, uh, an incredible experience to be able to yeah, to meet, to meet those women who have done something remarkably courageous. And uh, it's just, yeah, it, it really is transformative. I, there's stories of missionaries throughout the years, having gone at the end of the season, the, the national ride season, which ends in September, September, when we eventually deliver the checks that we, we raise for the, for the pregnancy centers. Sometimes they're able to go in person, sometimes not. The ones that go in person, like they just have this overwhelming experience just by meeting the staff of the center 
and going and setting foot in the building, right? Like it changes them. Some of them go from, I don't want to ever do this again, biking for babies because of how hard it is to after they interact with them and deliver the check to like, heck yeah, I'm coming back and I'm doing it again because they see the impact. I feel like I've been monopolizing the time. Bonnie, do you No, that's okay. This is share? so fascinating. I yeah. want to know more. Well, first of all, I want to say that I was slightly disappointed that I saw your top age limit was 39. I was yep. going to ask about a senior program um, because I'm 54 and I do love to cycle. But now hearing about how difficult it is, I'm a little bit intimidated. Um, <laughs> But I love I love the self sacrificial love. I love how you unite this journey with that of women, um, you know, going through their own storms. I mean, it's just it's beautiful. Um, but I see on your website that your national ride program for 2023 is going to be here soon. So can you talk about where you'll start and where you finish and what you have lined up? Sure. Yeah. And I, I want to make a comment too about the age limit that you just made too. I know it's not exactly what you directly asked, but we also have like a local ride component. So what everything I've described so far is the national ride, which is specifically for young adults. The local ride piece is kind of up and coming, but it's, it's for exactly the reason that you hinted at Bonnie, like many people want to be a part of this in cycle. So let's try to develop stuff like that too. So just want to say that, like we're in the process of building that there's going to be one in the Philadelphia area in June of 2023. So for those that are interested in that, it's June 24th, look us up and uh, you can reach out, but yeah. So back to your question, just wanted to make sure I got that in there. Um, your question about where, where the ride happens, basically, like where are they starting? Where are they going to? <clears throat> Every, so all these different teams, these teams of 10 missionaries, they each start in a different city from somewhere around the country. And they ride, uh, a number of them will converge on the same ending location on the same day. Uh, and so most of them, because we were founded in Illinois, we've existed mainly in the Midwest, we're starting to grow on the East Coast and some other places as well. Most of them start in cities in the Midwest. So either Wisconsin, Minnesota, Kansas, Mississippi, or Ohio. We might possibly add a Michigan starting location this year. And all of those teams that start in those places will end in St. Louis, Missouri on the same day for a big celebration. We call the celebration of life. And then the other portion of the rides take place more in the East Coast. So the only one that existed last year uh, that was not a part of that St. Louis ending contingency was from Columbus, Ohio to Washington, D.C. And now there's the possibility, and it all depends on how many young adults we have. That's really what it hinges upon. There's a possibility of building a second route on the East Coast, which maybe will go from somewhere in the state of New York down through the Philadelphia area, which is something I'm very excited about because that's where I live also ending in DC to meet up with that same team. And so the goal is like whatever happens in St. Louis, where you have a bunch of different teams converging there, we want to recreate that in DC. And then once we've done that, we're going to recreate it in Denver, Colorado, ideally. And then once that happens, we're going to try and recreate it somewhere on the West Coast. So we'll have each of like a hub in every time zone and then see what happens, see what happens from there. That is so wonderful. Chris Massaro, Director of Mission Advancement with Biking for Babies. Thanks for being on the podcast today. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the work that you do. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.